The Old Testament lesson is from the book of Genesis, the third chapter, and please note as I read through it, I invite you to read and participate in this Old Testament reading as highlighted in the bulletin. Genesis 3. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, and he said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the epistle lesson is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, beginning in chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus went home and the crowd gathered again so that, the crowd, so that they could not even see him or could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And Jesus called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man. And whatever blasphemes they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. 
but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. And Jesus' mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And Jesus answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is Psalm 130, but at this time I want to highlight these words. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. This is our text. In Samuel Beckett's play, Waiting for Gadol, two tramps, Vladimir and Estrogen, are waiting for someone called Gadol. And as they wait, they quarrel, and then they make up. They contemplate suicide. They try to sleep. They eat a carrot, and they gnaw on some bones, some chicken bones. They wait, and they wait, but Gadol never comes. In fact, the play ends with these two tramps still waiting for Gadol. Critics have suggested that there's various meanings for this play, one being that the play is about hope. The tramps are waiting for hope. Hope to arrive, but hope never comes. Others see Gadol as a symbolic representation of God. They see Gadol's persistent failure to appear and Vladimir and Estrogen's aimless waiting as representative of the masses, waiting for God to appear, which he never does. We're certainly a waiting society. Romantics wait for the love of their life. Husbands wait for their wives in shopping malls. Wives wait for their husbands to complete the promised household task. Parents wait sometimes for their children to grow up. Infertile couples wait to have a child. Orphans wait to be adopted. Refugees wait to be received into a sponsoring country. Shoppers wait in grocery, grocery checkout lines. The sick wait for the medical test to be returned. The terminally ill wait to die. And millions upon millions upon millions of people are like these two tramps in waiting for Godot. They wait for a God to show up in their lives. Sadly, as people wait, many are like the two tramps in waiting for Godot. Life passes them by, and they fill their time with meaningless chatter and really trite activities. God's people are not exempt from waiting. God's people wait for God to fulfill his promises. Abraham and Sarah, well, they waited. They waited for at least 25 years to have a son. The fledgling nation of Israel waited 430 years while they were slaves in Egypt. Then when the Israelites were finally released 
from slavery in Egypt, they waited another 40 years before entering the promised land as they wandered around in the wilderness. Hannah waited, and she waited year after year to have a child, and then finally she gave birth to Samuel. Paul, the Apostle Paul, waited 14 years from the time that he was converted to the time that he was sent as a missionary. And generation after generation after generation of God's people, they waited thousands of years for the promise of the Messiah to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And if you know the stories that I just referenced, you will know that while God's people waited, their life wasn't always pleasant. At any one time, they may have prayed the desperate cry of the psalmist, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my prayer. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. The psalmist is near despair. The source of his despondency is his guilt for his sin. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Have you experienced such despair? as you've contemplated your own sin? Have you been overcome with fear? Fear that you may have sinned one too many times to be forgiven by God. Have you worried about the fact that maybe you've committed that unforgivable sin against the Holy Spirit that Jesus mentions in our Gospel reading for today? Other times, the prayer of desperation comes from deep-seated mental and emotional troubles from sadness of heart, from darkness of moods, from disappointment and loneliness, from powerful temptation to which we succumb. And as afflictions and troubles and heartaches smash us like tsunami waves, wave after waves, do we not find ourselves crying out to the Lord, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my prayer, Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. And we wait. And we wait. And we wait. We wait for a better tomorrow. We wait for our fortune to change. We wait for the Lord to respond to our prayer with mercy. And as we wait, we grow impatient. And we lose focus on the Lord as frustration sets in. That was certainly true with Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah, they grew impatient waiting for a child, the promised child that God had promised to them. And so Abraham and Sarah agree that they will instead take matters into their own hand, and they agree that Abraham should have relations with, with Sarah's servant, Hagar. And Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. Needless to say, Abraham and Sarah made a big mistake. The Israelites, well, they grumbled and they complained about their conditions in the wilderness. Big mistake. And as we wait, we may turn to false gods as did the people of Israel. We may seek godless solutions to our problems like Abraham and Sarah did. 
We may find ourselves grumbling against God. We may fill our days with meaningless chatter and activity. But unlike the tramps who are waiting for Godot, our Godot, our God, shows up as we wait. I wait for the Lord, my soul, my whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Watchmen wait for the morning. Can you picture the night watchmen standing guard, willing themselves to stay alert through the dark, chilly night? What a boring, tedious task it is to stand guard through the evening. And as the night progresses, though, the watchmen know that the sun will rise above the crest of the horizon. And as they wait, they watch hopefully because they know the sun will rise. Of this they're certain because since the dawn of creation, the sun has always risen in the east. And of even more certitude is the psalmist in knowing that the Lord will keep his word. We're not waiting for Godot. Godot, our Lord, dwells with us. And that's one of the wondrous promises and realities of our gracious God. He stands not aloof from our sin, but God becomes sin for us. He does not absent himself from our misery, but God dwells with us in our misery. That's the promise that he made to you and to me when we were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we journey through dark, ominous days, he is ever present with us. Jesus is our Lord Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the shepherd who abides with his sheep. Jesus is the sinless one who bears our sins on Calvary's cross, and it's in him that we have complete and full forgiveness. Jesus is the resurrection and the life who travels the road of death with us. Jesus sits with us. He dwells with us in our misery, in our pain, in our sorrow, in our grief, and in our shame. Sometimes Jesus is silent. He's silent as he sits with us. But more often than not, he speaks. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. We know of our Lord's unfailing love. We know that with the Lord there is full redemption. We know this because God speaks that word of forgiveness to us in his word. Verses 7 and 8 of our text says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. We need not wait for God to forgive us of our sins. He has already done so through his Son, Jesus Christ. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, and therefore you are to be feared. Our God is not a ledger God. It's not like he goes through our day checking off the bad things we've done and the good things we've done. No. 
God freely forgives. God abundantly forgives. All for Jesus' sake. Because Jesus died on the cross for you and me. And as Jesus, our Savior, dwells with us, he dwells with us even. He's even here present as I speak. He's here present with us in the meal today that many of you will partake of. And he will speak to you words that say, this is my body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Yes, with our Lord as unfailing love, redemption is full and complete in Christ. And it's through his word that we know that he renews our strength. In fact, it's through his word that he renews our strength. For the Lord promises he gives strength to the weary, increases power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. And they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And we know because God says so in his word, that we can even rejoice in the midst of our sufferings. Because the Lord says in his word, suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so so yes, even as we wait for death to arrive, whether that be our own death or the death of a loved one, we endure the dark, dreary night of loneliness and pain and sorrow, but we do so with expectation and even with joy in our heart. In his word, in the Lord's word, do we place our hope. The time of waiting and enduring can be so very healing as the Lord uses that time of waiting to center our thoughts on Jesus, our Savior. It's in that time of waiting, even as we face our own death or the death of someone that we love, that we're reminded of God's love and forgiveness in Christ and the victory that is ours through Jesus, who is raised from the dead. It's during this time of waiting that God can heal strained relationships. It's in this time of waiting that Loved ones, bonds of love grow even deeper and stronger. And it's during this time of waiting that the Lord prepares us to say farewell to the one that we love, to whom we're entrusting into the Lord's eternal care. And we can have this hope and we can have this joy even in the midst of suffering and even in the midst of death itself because St. Paul promises in the Lord's word as we heard this morning Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And so we wait, and we wait. Not despairing, not aimlessly, 
not filling our time with idle chatter and all kinds of busyness. No, we wait, knowing that the Lord waits with us. And we wait with anticipation. Ours is a hopeful waiting, even a joyful waiting. For we are confident that just as the sun will rise in the east tomorrow, so deliverance and joy that God promises us in his word will come true. That we can be absolutely certain of. That is why the psalmist says, O people of God, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with the Lord is full redemption. And so we pray, O Lord, you are my strength. I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I rely. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.